0: today on Ag News Daily. Savanto believes that we maybe have peaked in horsepower, that through autonomy, the massive, massive, heavy horsepower tractor platforms that encompass an extremely high level of um, upfront capital may be headed towards, you know, kind of the way of the dodo.
1: Well, happy new year, listeners from Tanner and Delaney here at the Ag News Daily Podcast. First episode, 2024. We're sitting here on January 2nd which Delaney feels like a Monday, but it's a Tuesday, right?
0: You're right.
2: It is. I'm going to be all mixed up on my days for a little while with the date. Now we have to say 2024, what actual day of the week it is, probably the time of day. All of those things are <laughs> going to throw me off here for a little bit. It's been a long, It's been a, over a week plus, Tanner, to, to since we've done a podcast. So I'm thinking I'm going to be a little rusty today, so...
1: I saw out there on Ag Twitter that somebody was going to prevent themselves from typing 2023 by putting a thumbtack on the number three on their keyboard. I don't know if that would do it for me. I'm sure I'm going to struggle with that for quite a while.
2: I like it. Although, as we talked about before, 2024 just comes off the tongue a little easier, maybe because it's an even year. So maybe the transition won't be as hard as we
1: think. We shall see. We don't have a lot for weather forecasted right now. Freezing fog is expected tonight in parts of central Nebraska. More is expected tomorrow in the Midwest. And then we have snow possible through the central United States starting Thursday night. Central and southern Kansas, meanwhile, have snow and rain likely starting late Thursday and into Friday as well. All of these areas are going to be minor accumulations, but the National Weather Service says a second and stronger storm system is expected to hit early next week with some accumulating snow possible. And when you look at some of those models, Delaney, of course, we are a long, a long ways out from when that system could hit, but we're seeing here in Iowa ranges from 8 to 14 inches of snow based upon some of those models. So It'll be interesting to track that going into next week.
2: It certainly will. We didn't get a white Christmas, but we might get a white New Year's, post-New Year's here as we head into 2024. Tanner, I know a lot of folks are getting ready to start their taxes and hopefully have wrapped up their planning for 2023 since the year has passed. But as we think about tax prep for 2023, folks are saying it's going to be back to a more normal year, according to the director of Iowa State University's Center for Agricultural Law and Taxation. She said it's also going to be a calm year before we see some big changes happening this year and next year. At the end of 2025, many of the provisions from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 expire unless Congress does something to act on that. Income tax rates will rise, key deductions will go away, and the estate and gift tax exclusion will drop from almost 13 million now to an estimated 7 million, depending on inflation. However, she said before you get worried, there are still ways to take full deductions the next year for 23 and 24. So think about preparing even maybe further out in advance as you do think about some of those changes that are coming in 2025. If you've had a good year, can you prepay expenses? Can you defer grain sale contracts? Can you pull income back into 2023? She said, those are all decisions to make when you're filing your tax return this year, as we do see some big changes coming down the pipeline in 2025.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. There's lots of tax articles out there wanting you to also pay attention to your state tax level. We want to make sure that if you have state tax exemptions that you don't get caught by the boogeyman. So this is making sure you have your record keeping in order. We also want to take a look at what the future brings for the tax code for the fourth time in an 18 year farming career farmers are now being warned of a repeal of the federal estate tax exemption of course we've talked about this a lot on the podcast Delaney this is not something we need to worry about for 2023 or 2024 but it could affect those that are looking to shield themselves from federal estate tax in 2025. Together, a married couple can shield up to 27.2 million right now. But as of January 1st, 2026, if there's no additional tax code adjustments made, that could fall back and revert to 6.8 million. So that is not something that the ag sector is going to be happy about. Of course, if we take a look at some minor moves. Appealing maybe just back to version two or version three, that figure could become 15 million. However, the intent of this article is not to downplay the significance of the federal estate tax bill. That's probably going to get debated here in the first half of 2023. We still want to keep an eye on that. But sticking in 2023, Delaney, it's the end of an era. John Phillips announced his retirement on the u.s farm report a canadian viewer uh asked a question to him i was wondering if he would be able to discuss how he's going to pass his time in retirement it's going to be quite interesting but the farm media and his role with farm media he's devoted thousands of words re- to his listeners and now will continue to contribute in a small set but this will be the last of his stints he is continuing to stay involved in agriculture delaney but he did announce his retirement as far as that goes as far as successors they have not yet been named but he will continue to contribute on an ad hoc basis especially when time's needed for the u.s farm report Tyne morgan will continue to carry the load as she has done for such a great time but a little wrap up there to 2023
2: Well, as we think about 2024, it's going to be a big year ahead for voters in Iowa and many other states, Tanner, as we're gearing up for the 2024 presidential elections. We're heading into primary season now, of course, as folks will start to caucus for their top candidate. And the Republican Party has a few very strong candidates that are vying for the nomination. We've already seen here in the state of Iowa, Tanner, ads and rallies and things like that starting to ramp up. And of all of the candidates here, uh, ethanol is going to be a top contention point that really is going to shape the minds of rural and Republican voters. As we think about top candidates here, we've got, of course, former President Donald Trump running and uh, going to try and make some headway again this year. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who has also been circulating and running the trail here in the state of Iowa, Ohio businessman Vivek. And uh, he said he's a big supporter of the ethanol industry. And lastly, Nikki Haley is the other one here that's taking a front seat for many Republican voters who also said that she's very actively in support of ethanol and more specifically year round ethanol, ethanol. She said, why is the government telling you what months you can do it in? So those are kind of the top four candidates we're seeing here in the state of Iowa, at least right now, and for the top Republican nominations. But Tanner, I'm sure there'll be more of this to come, and uh, by the end of 2024, I'm thinking I'm going to be quite tired of hearing about the presidential election, and I'm just going to be (laughs) ready to see who our new president is going to be.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I think we get inundated here in Iowa a little more than others to begin with, but as far as grapes go, this could be a great year for wine production, just based upon the conditions for harvest in 2023. The late start to the grape harvest didn't harm the quality of the vintage, but also might have created an exceptional group of grapes. Plentiful winter rains combined with cooler soils provided the opportunity for grapes to develop beautiful flavors and balance their vibrant acidity with remarkable taste. The winter was unusually cold and wet. They got 10 inches of snow that restored soil moisture while the vines were dormant. But if you are a wine snob, it may be worth getting a hold of 2023 vintage wines because some of those flavors may be hard to replicate in the future. California produces about 80% of the nation's wine, making it the world's fourth largest wine producing region. More than 80% of Californian wine is made from certified sustainable California wineries and over half of the state's roughly 615,000 acres of vineyards are in this sustainable program. So kind of neat news there. If someone enjoys their wine, maybe it's time to get a hold of some of that.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know that grapes tend to like drier conditions. Tanner, will we have drier conditions again in 2024? After wrapping up the third year of drought conditions for many states, including Kansas, as we look back at the year of 2023 we did see improvements in the drought monitor nonetheless the latest drought monitor for the map of for the state of Kansas shows an improvement in drought conditions from the beginning of 2023 when the year started at 37% of the state in d4 or exceptional drought as this the year ends, none of the state's acres are in D4 exceptional drought, thankfully. Just 3% are in extreme drought, or the D3 category, 17% in D2 severe drought, and 34% in D1 moderate drought. Of course, a lot of this is going to be, do we get snow coverage here to help with some subsoil moisture in 2024? And only time will tell on that front, Tanner, but many states across the Corn Belt here have seen improvements in their drought conditions and are hoping to see more improvement as we head into the 2024 growing season.
1: That is interesting. Another thing that might benefit growers going into 2024 growing season is a collaboration of three Midwestern farm credit associations. The Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Frontier Farm Credit, and Farm Credit Services of America announced that they've signed a collaboration contract. Their three boards will share leadership, planning, and technology responsibility, while local boards and offices will stay in place. This is in an effort for continual improvement that would be vital to the long-term success of any farm and ranch. Combined, these organizations reach over 85,000 producers in eight states. Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. This single governing board will provide the opportunity for advancement in technologies. At the end of 2022, Ag Country, based out of Fargo, reported loan volume of 11.6 billion. Farm Frontier Farm Credit out of Manhattan, Kansas, had 2.6 billion, and Farm Credit Services of America, out of Omaha, had 38.3 billion dollars in loans. So now that these boards will conclude together, they will work together to achieve benefits that will help them scale and expand their markets. The collaboration is expected to take place no later than April 1st, so that would provide some pretty quick deadline here for our listeners to see a difference as to what that farm credit system may look like for them.
2: Well, Tanner, I think I am out of news for today as we're starting off the week a little slower here as folks are just getting back from break, but the markets are back open and in full force, so what do you take me? Say we take a look here at our first session of 2024.
1: Let's get to it.
2: Well, as we look at the grains here this morning kicking off now, finally, we'll start to see volume increase for our grain contracts and March corn this morning in the overnight is down three pennies. We'll open at 471 and a quarter on the board. March soybeans down 14 cents at a 1298 Chicago this morning also lower on the board as the March Chicago contract down three and a half cents at 628. March hard red winter wheat will open a penny and three quarter cents lower at 642. And March spring wheat down two cents on the board to open at 723 and a half. As we take a look at the livestock markets here, February live cattle will open at a buck 68.50. January feeder cattle will open at 222.30, and February lean hawks will open at 67.97 and a half. Tanner, today, although it does feel like a Monday, is a Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily podcast. We're chatting today with Sabanto to talk ag technology and automation in 2024. So let's turn it over to that Tech Tuesday conversation. Well, folks, for today's Tech Tuesday conversation, chatting with Mike Burdick, the head of Salesforce, Sabanto. Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast.
0: Absolutely, Delaney. Thanks for having me.
2: So, Mike, you have had, I, I checked out your LinkedIn, I creeped on you on LinkedIn. You've had a really interesting career path to lead you to where you are today. Tell us a little bit about your background.
0: Uh, well, um, I, I think interesting is probably a good uh, a good adjective to use around the career. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Delaney, primarily been focused uh, around the ag tech space for the majority of my career. Um, you know, I'm an Iowa State grad of the uh, ag business school. Yeah. Um, got my start uh, with the Climate Corporation by chance uh, back in the total weather insurance days um you know most of your listeners are probably likely very aware of uh the climate corporation and and maybe the big splash that they made uh when uh, uh they were acquired by Monsanto back in i believe was 2015 uh i started at climate uh, roughly 2 years prior to that acquisition and hung on uh for roughly 2 years after uh that acquisition as well um I, as I mentioned, uh, got my start on the insurance side uh, at Climate, was then asked to move over to the um, data analytics or the ag analytics uh, side of the business, which at that time was called uh, Climate Basic and Pro, which was an online weather-based uh, monitoring platform, as well as Um, Kind of the early days of some of the ag decision tools uh, that climate built around nitrogen Uh, field health advisor was another one that was a satellite based um, uh, field health diagnostic tool that's uh i gravitated towards the field health uh advisor um you know late in my career at uh, climate i thought that there was a lot of promise in that particular tool uh, the tool uh, focused around ndvi uh, from satellite was not a novel idea by any means but i think the delivery vehicle um, and the ease of use was pretty novel with regard to agriculture specifically um, so after leaving Climate, uh, I spent my time at two different organizations, both Mavericks Incorporated and Series Imaging, uh, which expanded pretty heavily uh, on the Field Health Advisor, um, so much so that they got away from satellite, both of those organizations, and were doing uh, manned aircraft capture uh, with regard to that data and delivering it to growers on a much more uh, repetitious and granular basis. Um, and even expanding on, you know, beyond uh, NDVI um, to deliver um, additional uh, information to growers, um, you know, regarding their uh, seasonality, benchmarking, how things were progressing throughout the uh, different growth stages of the year. Um, After that, um, American Robotics came to me. Uh, American Robotics is a uh, drone manufacturer, uh, that was maybe the first in the U S to bring a drone in a box to market specifically for agriculture. And by drone in a box, I mean, I mean, just that it is a drone that lives in a weatherproof weatherproof, um, housing unit called a base station and is completely customizable by the, the user or the grower that purchases or leases at that time. Um, you know, in some very technical FAA, um, uh, reasons for a lease rather than a purchase. Um, But again, uh, that system lived on the farm, uh, captured data, uh, customizable by the user on a very repetitious uh, basis. Well, at American Robotics, uh, there was an administrative change in the White House and the EPA uh, began to strengthen um, uh, strengthen its regulatory framework around the oil and gas space. The oil and gas space really came to American Robotics and decided that that was um, going to be its pet project. This drone, uh, drone in a box called Scout at the time, uh, was really well suited uh, for oil and gas installations as well, both upstream, midstream and downstream. Um, So uh, we pivoted uh, to the oil and gas space uh, fairly quickly. Um, You know, again, the EPA and the regulatory framework made the unit economics of the oil and gas uh, business very, very attractive to us at American Robotics at the time. Uh, so I spent a number of years building that business, um, and then decided that it was time for me to exit the drone space again. FAA, um, you know, restrictions, complications, maybe, maybe a little bit of bureaucracy thrown in there. Um, and decided it was time to get back into agriculture, uh, and focus on that, uh, industry that I'd sort of grown a, a familiarity to and, a uh, a liking to, uh, I met Craig Rupp, founder of, uh, Sabanto through a mutual friend. Um, and you know, that leads me to maybe the last six or eight months where I've come on at Sabanto and, uh, I've been thrown into the role of head of sales. How's Absolutely. that for a better that, background?
2: That's a really, a really, uh in-depth background. So appreciate that for our listeners. I think it really highlights the experience you've had in the ag tech space and how you got to Sabanto. So when you look at where you're at today with Sabanto, give us the 10,000 foot overview head of sales. I'm sure you get to talk every day about what you guys are doing there. So give us the elevator pitch.
0: Yeah, that's right. So Savanto is delivering a retrofit kit uh, that provides full autonomy uh, to a number of platforms uh, in the ag space. So we bolt on an autonomy kit, a fully proprietary uh, end-to-end autonomy kit onto a tractor platform. Uh, And again, just as it sounds, um, the tractor becomes fully autonomous, which truly does mean uh, removing butt from seat completely. Um, Again, fully customizable by the user. Uh, We've done everything from planting, cultivating, uh, tillage, uh, mowing, uh, aggravation in the sod business, um, you know, pretty much uh, just everything short of harvesting. We've not gotten into that quite yet. Craig Rupp, the founder, uh, really had uh, a need and a want uh, and and maybe a curiosity to uh, solve maybe the critical labor issue uh, that agriculture is seeing and has been seeing for maybe the past uh, 10, 12 years or more. Um, So, again, the labor efficiencies that come with removing that, um, you know, quote unquote, butt from seat uh, are are extremely high, Uh, not to mention all of the efficiencies that come with maybe a computer running through the field uh, and being very, very accurate down to the sub inch level uh, using the RTX, the Trimble RTX uh, platform uh, and correction system. So, again, uh Sabanta's probably, well, Sabanta just uh, celebrated its five-year anniversary. The first two or three years of the organization were really spent heavily on R&D, uh, figuring out how to bring uh, autonomy to the market in kind of a palatable uh, suitcase, so to speak, for uh, an average grower or, or an average, average industry professional. And I would say probably over the last 12 to 18 months, uh, we've put the finishing touches on what we would consider a full commercial offering for the agriculture space with regard to a retrofit autonomy kit.
2: I love that. I think autonomy is at the forefront of a lot of growers' minds. And your autonomous kit, I noticed on your website, is specifically named Steward. Uh, Wondering how you came up with that name or what that name implies for growers.
0: Yes, uh, so steward is is certainly uh, the, the way that we've branded it uh, again, maybe over the last six months or so. Um, steward is is just as maybe a a a, a steward on on a cruise line or or um, uh, something of that sort. So it's truly um, a, a, a you know one aspect uh, could be considered maybe a steward of the land, uh, a steward of an operation. Uh, but really we see it as uh you know a true farmhand, uh a member of the team. Um it's it it you know, the great thing is 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 it doesn't need bathroom breaks, uh it doesn't take vacation, um, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lunch break. Uh it works quite hard. Uh as long as it's got fuel to drink, uh the tracker platform itself, it uh potentially can be out, out, off and running. Um, one of the things that we've um you know begun to delineate out into the into the atmosphere with regard to um you know kind of a pitch towards the industry is sabanto believes that we maybe have peaked in horsepower um that uh, through autonomy um you know the massive massive heavy horsepower um uh tractor platforms that that uh an extremely high level of uh upfront capital uh, maybe, um, headed towards, you know, kind of the way of the dodo. Um, and what I mean by that is, is a, you know, a 500 horse tractor platform, uh, that can do X number of work or X amount of work in a 12 hour day or a 16 hour day, uh, maybe a, a hundred horsepower or 200 horsepower can do in that same, uh, 24 hour time period. Again, as I mentioned, no breaks, uh, uh, no vacation. As long as you can keep fuel in your platform, uh, you're you're off and running. Um, so again, smaller implements, um, uh, smaller footprints, smaller upfront capital. Uh, that's that's kind of the position that Sabanto has taken.
2: Awesome. And you know, I think a common question I hear a lot of times from growers, or maybe a misconception, is that these vehicles are you know unsafe. There's a lot of potential uh, issues with them thinking for themselves or them, you know, hitting something, hitting someone, et cetera. So talk to us a little bit about some of the R and D efforts that have gone into getting steward to where it is today.
0: Yeah, Delaney, that's, that's a great, a great point and and great question. Um, So we've got a number of different safety systems built into uh, into steward. Uh, They all work together uh, to form kind of a, a three tier approach to safety. Probably that first tier uh, is really focused around our IFM cameras. Uh, they are uh, infrared cameras mounted on the front of the platform. No matter what model uh, of Steward you're operating, these uh, these IFM cameras are part of the solution, uh, and they look out uh, beyond uh, the tractor platform and you know monitor for any uh, obstructions, whether that be uh, birds, um, you know maybe deer, um, pivot towers. Uh, Um, You know, uh, trees, anything that might be uh, in the way uh, or or in front of that tractor platform, we will notice it, we will stop uh, well ahead of those particular issues. And then there's uh, a, a notification system attached to it as well. So, you know, we've had growers, for instance, just as an example, be at their uh, son or daughter's baseball or softball game and, and monitoring the platform from, uh, you know, truly 100 miles away or more. Um, and, and, you know, maybe a, a, an obstruction uh, was left out in the field, maybe a pallet stack in the sod business or whatever the case is, was left out in a field. Uh, unbeknownst to the to the mission designer or whoever was operating the system from afar, we noticed that on the IFM cameras uh, stopped ahead of that pallet stack, for instance, and sent a notification to the user that said, "Look, uh, there's something in the field. Tell me what to do uh, moving forward." Also, as maybe a second tier to those IFM cameras, we have uh, 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 visual cameras or radiometric cameras. Um, uh, visual light spectrum cameras uh, on all four sides of the platform. At any time, a user can elect to snap photos of what's in front, sides, and back of uh, that particular platform. They can look at the implement from behind, uh, for instance, to make sure that everything is uh, operating appropriately. They can look at the sides to make sure folks aren't, you know, approaching uh, the tractor platform before kicking off a mission. And of course, they can look at what's in front of, of that platform at any time. But as I mentioned. If a stop uh, occurs due to you know an obstruction, not only does it send a message uh, to that user, but it also sends photos uh, of the at the time of the stop um, to to you know, an attempt to give some information to that user uh, of what's going on in front of the system. Um, and of course, they can they can make a judgment call on whether to kick off the mission again remotely. There's no need to go back to the tracker platform to uh, uh, kick off the mission again, they can simply hit go from their mo- mobile device and off, you know, off and run and you are. Um, and maybe a third tier approach uh, uh, to safety. We have very, very redundant systems uh, with regard to mission planning. Um, so again, the user customizes what they'd like done, uh, whatever kind of practice uh, they're out in the field or uh, uh, field work they've, they've elected to do that day. That's associated, of course, with the implement that the uh, tractor platform is pulling. So, for instance, uh, in that customization, you've got a field boundary, right? So, uh, park steward the tractor uh, in the in the fields, uh, kick off the mission, um, and you know, effectively go on about your day. If that tractor platform, via the Trimble RTX uh, uh, satellite correction system, notices that you are uh, headed toward a boundary as you shouldn't be, uh, or or maybe you glance, maybe you've got some wheel slippage, for instance, on a very wet day while you're doing field work, and it slides into the boundary. The tractor platform will automatically kill itself. It will automatically shut down. It will send that same note, same type of notification to uh, an operator that says, "Look, um, I've slipped over the edge, or you know, I'm in trouble here. What should I do?" Uh, and the, again, the operator can make a judgment call. So. In addition to, uh, well, you know, again, as, as a little bit of a um, three-tiered approach that all work kind of cohesively together, uh, cameras, uh, decision-making, as well as um, uh, some, com- some uh, uh, mission-based uh, safety systems as well. Those all work together to, um, to make this a very, very safe uh, and very, very accurate uh, autonomy platform.
2: Well, as you look at commercial rollout of Steward, are growers able to get it into their fields or talk to us a little bit about the sales process?
0: Uh, absolutely. Uh, so we are full commercial today. Uh, we do have a national dealer network, uh, roughly 12 dealers nationally today um, that we do business with on a very, very frequent basis. Uh, we, we do our best not to go direct to the market uh, that when we try to, um, you know, utilize that that uh, dealer network, not only for the sales process, but but also and maybe more importantly uh, for the service aspect uh, of Stewart. Um, so, you know, a, a an order can be placed through our dealer network that, of course, gets run up the ladder to us. We then uh, process that order ship the kit to uh, our dealer. Uh, for um, an install, uh, the dealer will install and then train uh, their end user customer uh, or grower customer, producer customer, on how to utilize the system. And then really, uh, that dealer is it remains in the picture um, uh, for any you know potentially necessary handholding that um, uh, might be necessary throughout the um, you know the onboarding process. Um, Today, uh, we currently operate on the Kubota M5, uh, 100-horsepower Kubota M5. Um, We also uh, are available on the FENT 700. Uh, We, this month, will be rolling out the uh, John Deere 5100E series, uh, a steward kit for that series as well. Uh, first quarter next year, uh, we plan to finish the work that we've already begun on the FENT 900 series, uh, and very likely uh, the John Deere 5075E uh, as well. So, if a grower uh, is interested in in Stewart, uh, those are the available platforms today. Uh, the, conceptually, the great thing about Stewart is, and and the retrofit. Uh, concept is that truly uh, we can do this on any tractor platform. There's nothing keeping us um, except for maybe time and resources, engineering resources, from um, knocking out a platform for you know any tractor platform uh, out there. So we absolutely do expect uh, to bring on additional platforms um, in the in the very near future. Uh, I would say. We those are very market driven. Uh, We take market feedback, we take inbound inquiries, we discuss things with uh, uh, early adopters and influencers in the market on where we should go next. Um, Commercially, I think uh, probably again over the last uh, four to five months, what we've realized is the sod market, uh, uh, mowing, broadacre mowing, and tillage is really where we hang our. If you can imagine, uh, you know, a a thousand acre sod farmer uh, that's mowing twice a week is, uh, you know, twice a week throughout maybe a six, eight month period, depending on what, you know, what geography they're in, or maybe even a 12 month period, depending on where they're, where, what geography they're in, is traveling over a massive, massive number of acres throughout the season And again, that that critical labor issue that we're seeing in the in the industry and the unit economics behind that, as well as, again, the efficiencies that come with, uh, you know, maybe pulling the human element out of uh, daily operation is really a key uh, transformative uh, piece for that particular industry. So, you know, again, um, a, a row crop. Uh, farmer that might travel over a number of acres uh, eight to 10 to 12 times uh, throughout the season, you know, a lot, a, a massive amount of field work, eight weeks in the spring and eight weeks in the fall, um, you know, absolutely can utilize uh, autonomy uh, inside their operation. But if you consider folks that, you know, again, might be operating uh, across those acres twice weekly over a 52 week period, um, again, th- those unit economics explode. So again, we've we're, we're I mentioned kind of a pet project American Robotics became for the oil and gas uh, space. I see a very similar situation occurring with regard to the sod and turf business um, and that same pet project uh, philosophy. So again, we are on smaller platforms that also do fit uh, that that uh, market. Um, a little bit better today, but as I mentioned, from a philosophical standpoint, even in real crop, uh, we feel that um, there'll be a migration away from heavy horsepower uh, as time goes on and autonomy takes uh, takes a real uh, solid foothold because again, uh, 12, 16 uh, 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 man hour days uh, can be 22 or 24 uh, in in a day as long as you can keep fuel uh, in the platform.
2: Fantastic. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But Mike, thanks again for joining us. Certainly appreciate your time.
0: Absolutely, Delaney. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: What a great way to kick off 2024 conversations on the podcast. Expect to see many tech advancements throughout the year. Listeners, we appreciate you bouncing back. We're ready to kick off the opening week of the year Delaney aren't you excited to have another great year of podcasts
2: I can't wait Tanner I'm sure it'll be a great year with you
1: absolutely but for today should we let him go
2: let's let him go